Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives. And I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. You want to know the recipe for success? You got to take whisks. That's right. Joining me today is chef and caterer, Katie Chen. We're going to get carried away on all things about learning to trust your inner voice. Let's get carried away. Thank you. I'm in a, I'm in a rock band. I should know these things. Right? How did that start? Let's start there. How did you get into a rock? First off, what's the, what's the name of this cool band? It's called Never Too Late. <laughs> Love it. What kind of music? truly is never too late. We know we're really into classic rock, I have to say, a couple of ballads here and there. It actually was my husband's idea because um, he'll be turning 60 in a few years, but it's always been his dream to perform the electric guitar for a big birthday, and he has been struggling with learning how to play the guitar for many, many years. And then he just, you know, he got serious about it. He hired our kids you know, music teacher. (laughs) So our kids music teacher is actually the Ruben Kincaid of our band and um, Sound Life Academy. Uh, So uh, basically it was like, look, I just really want to put on this concert. I mean, we have a few years to go. Uh, So he started uh, practicing seriously. We recruited another dad who's a drummer that's just been drumming for like a year. Um, My, I like to call him my gay karaoke husband. I've been doing karaoke with him for about you know, 12 years. So we both auditioned to be the singers, but we were the only ones to audition. So we made it remarkably (laughs) into the band. (laughs) It's like the voice. (laughs) Yes. But, um, you know, it's been just such a great diversion during COVID, something to really work, you know, together as a couple, which is super fun. And then also, you know, to work towards with some kind of for sure somewhere in the future. Yeah, that's so great. What is your go-to karaoke song? What is like the karaoke master song that you do? It used to be Superstar by the Carpenters, but then around eight years ago, I flipped over to um, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Nice. Nice, Katie. Love it. Love it. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, well, there's a few people on this call right now who could probably answer that question, but my (laughs) go-to karaoke song is Love Shack by the B-52s. Oh, nice. Nice. You don't really need a singing voice. You can kind of talk your way through that song. (laughs) I bet bet you're great, and I bet you do. Oh, yeah, it's more about showmanship. (laughs) But I've had some karaoke get-togethers in my driveway six feet apart, so you'll have to come over because we're neighbors. I'm in. I'm totally in. I'll just need to walk back because I need a lot of alcohol to get that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we dived right in. But please, before we get into how we're going to hear about not to be afraid of success um, and hear your recipe. But tell us about you. How'd you get where you are today? Tell us all the things about Katie. All right. Well, it's it's kind of a long story, but I'm just going to get all time. the way back to like the 1950s because uh big part of my story is my mother's influence on my life, but she had been a seamstress in Minnesota where my parents immigrated to in the 1950s. And she always loved to cook, but you know, her mother said, you know, don't fall around the family chef. That's a job for the servants, but she did it anyway because she loved cooking so much. Cut to, she gets matched me to my father in Hong Kong. I mean, imagine marrying somebody you met that day. I can't. 
I mean, crazy. And, you know, having to move in with this person and their mother, who's overbearing and horrible. Anyway, they lived in Hong Kong, and my mother then really had to teach herself how to cook, and she she just absolutely fell in love with it. Then uh, she'd cook for her sewing clients. She was making 50 cents an hour as a seamstress. And they were blown away by this authentic Chinese cuisine they had never tasted before, because this is back in the 60s and 70s in Minnesota. So they encouraged her to start teaching classes and catering. And she, um, little by little, did that, hooked up with a socialite. Socialite wants to open a restaurant with her, gets the owner of the Minnesota Twins and Sean Connery to invest in her first restaurant, which is crazy, because they were friends they shared the same dentist I learned many years later at a movie premiere when I saw Sean Connery. But anyway, <laughs> word got out that Sean Connery is, you know, associated with my mother's restaurant in Minneapolis of all places. It was called Leanchin. It actually still exists. And um, she opened more and more restaurants and uh, she eventually sold her business to General Mills in the 80s and she bought it back because she didn't like, you know, the direction it was going, but they made her wow. president of the vision. She'd never even gone to high school. She became a pillar of the community. She was on all sorts of boards, like the Minnesota Twins, the Minnesota Vikings, but had never been to a football game. Wow. She uh, set up a foundation. Hi, Tamalyn. She um, helped all sorts of people, women, minorities, really anybody with an American dream. Um, so... <clears throat> Basically, this is this remarkable story of our mother. We grew up working in the basement of our little house in Minneapolis, okay, uh, frying chicken pieces when all the other kids are at the mall or ice skating. We're like in a Chinese food factory, bring <laughs> up tea, you know, like, wow. But all the while, you know, realizing something really magical was happening to our mom. So it was really an incredible journey. Meanwhile, I'm like, I am getting the hell out of Minnesota. It's freezing cold. There's like no Asian people at the time. Right. We're like all Norwegians and Swedish people. No offense. We belong to the Sons of Norway Jewish Community Center because we had no clubs. Very confusing <laughs> childhood. And I'm like, I'm never working in the food business. And I'm getting the hell out of here. So I went to school in Boston, moved to L.A., and I worked in the entertainment industry for 14 years at various studios doing movie okay. times. And... Um, I was working at Fox. This was almost 20 years ago. And I decided to throw a dinner party for some clients, but I had completely forgotten how to cook. So I kept calling my mom and asking her questions and calling her and asking her questions. And she was like, this is ridiculous. I'm getting on a plane with frozen lemon chicken, shows up on my doorstep. She let everyone think, uh, she let all the guests think I had cooked the meal. And she did not even come out into the dining room. And then meanwhile, she opened my fridge and found only champagne and yogurt and was completely mortified. <laughs> she had to teach me how to cook again. And she, um, you know, kept flying to L.A. and teaching me and all, all my friends how to cook. And they were like, oh, my goodness, you guys make this look so easy. You should do a book together. And I was like, you know what? We should do a book together. So um, I was in a very unhappy marriage at the time. I was not loving my job. I was so burned out. I just, I, I, I quit both. I was like, I have an asshole to my left, an asshole to my right. I'm just right. going to quit both and change my life. And um, she and I came together and we had a show on PBS together called Double Happiness. We had a catering business together. Uh, we did the book together. And, um, you know, we just had this remarkable experience in the kitchen because for the first time she really opened up about her life in China and would talk to me like a friend mm. versus when I was growing up, you know, you don't burden your children with your hardships when you're Chinese, you just move on and you're productive and you, you succeed. So um, it was really uh, 
wonderful and we really became friends and unfortunately she passed away about um 10 years ago so i really focused on and my own cookbook line and my new catering business and being a blogger and a bunch of other crazy stuff. I love that. And you really honor her that way with that story. That's really, really remarkable. Let me ask you, what was your favorite thing to make together? Well, you know, she made this incredible chicken chow mein, which mm. uh, it's just a really soul satisfying dish. And I, 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 I think of her because she was so busy and it was very hard for her to have a day off. But when she did, she would make these giant batches of chicken chow mein and I would help her. And it was one of those great memories we actually had together, sitting down as a family and enjoying that. I love that. I love that. You know, when I, I'm so impressed, your mom has all these restaurants and on these foundations and, and, you know, boards. And then she's like, I'm just going to go to LA and help my daughter. I mean, that's incredible. I would do the same. And I'm sure you would for Becca too, right? Like I'll be there. Oh. No doubt. She was just like, she, you know, she needs my help. Um, and then she was just that kind of mom and that kind of person that you would just drop anything. Yeah. And, and still not, you know, steal the sunlight from you, still let you shine as if you made the meal and you, you were in charge of the whole thing and she's hiding in the kitchen knowing she did it all. <laughs> yeah. She was very humble and you know, it, it carried over into our TV show cause she hated to be on TV. Whereas I like to be on TV. She hated it. She was all about the food always focusing on the technique and the ingredients. So I'd have to do a lot of the talking. So I'd say like, okay, so if you don't have Asian hot sauce, you could substitute with uh, Mexican hot sauce, right, mom? And she'd go, no. <laughs> or she'd go like, we were filming uh, for the Food Network in Hong Kong and this uh, the world's largest dim sum restaurant and the master chefs are teaching me how to make the hargao, the crystal shrimp dumplings. And I'm the cameras are rolling and I'm trying to make them. And she's like, why are you so slow? <laughs> it was always out of love. Always came from the heart. Sure. She wanted us to be the best, you know? Sure. That's incredible. I love that. So you're on TV. You guys have a cook, a cooking show. How did you come up with the idea for the book? Was it just like, mom, just write down every recipe. Is she someone who would cook from memory or did she have everything written down? She was like the Mozart of food and cooking. She could go into any restaurant, any style of cuisine, from a high-end French restaurant to a Mexican taco stand, take a bite, and she, she would know exactly what went into the dish. She wow. just would, and she'd be able to recreate it just like that. That's so incredible. really, you know, for the first book, our publisher sort of guided us, you know, uh, restaurant favorites from her restaurant chain. But my last book actually honors her memory. It's a everyday Chinese cookbook, 101 delicious recipes from my mother's kitchen. So in that book, I really wanted to um, honor her memory with a lot of our childhood recipes, but then also more contemporary recipes that we came up with together in our catering business. But I weave a lot of anecdotes of our relationship into the book <laughs> and our experience being fish out of water, Chinese Americans in Minnesota. Yeah, that's the, what do you think was hardest for her coming to the United States? And first off, why Minnesota? Did she ever talk to you about? You know, I'm really trying to crack that nut, but um, my aunt and uncle were in Minneapolis, so they sponsored my family. And ah, so family. Import export business um, gotcha. out of Minneapolis, but I don't know how they got there because most, you know, Asian Americans go end up in. San Francisco, LA, New York. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of strange that we ended up there. But um, I mean, can you imagine living, coming from a climate that's like Miami, 
yeah, not speaking a word of English and moving to Minnesota where there are no Asian people. I mean, and it was so. really, really tough. <laughs> and, and, she... and I mean, not speaking the language, having children um, and living in snow. It's like, how do you even drive in snow? Learning to learn all of these new things. Um, it's, it's wow. That it's such bravery, right? It's, it's, tells you her tenacity um, and how determined she was to have this better life for herself and her family. I think it's incredible. Um, well, I mean, there were certainly a lot of hardships, but uh, sure. one thing she taught us, like, you know what? There's no reason to complain about anything. Yeah. Really. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm we're sure she's men, but at the same time, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> now, um, are you an only child or did you have siblings? I have three sisters and a brother. Okay, so you guys are going to school in Minneapolis. You're growing up. Does anybody of your siblings cook or kind of was in the kitchen with mom like you were? I mean, we were all forced to, you know, work in our Chinese food factory for sure. Um, (laughs) But, you know, in in a lot of Chinese American families, you are allowed to either be a doctor, a lawyer, or a professor. So, of course, all my siblings are all those things. Except for my sister that ended up working for my mom. But they all, you know, we all love to cook and both of my parents are gone now. But when we get together for the holidays, because we all live in different cities, we do have, you know, Iron Chef champion uh, ships in our, you know, home kitchen and love that you know, challenges. So, you know, we all try to keep our memory, our mother's memory alive through cooking and cooking her recipes. And then now I've noticed you've now passed that along to your daughter, Becca, and you guys have created during COVID the most amazing pivot ever. Tell, tell me about that. Well, uh, first I want to say that. Hi, Mima. Hi, Mima. Um, <laughs> you know, when COVID hit, I'm like, cause I have a catering business called Walkstar Catering. Obviously I had to stop catering. And I was just like, you know what? I looked at my daughter, my who's 12. I'm like, why don't we just, just, let's just do a cooking show for fun on Facebook. Right. Uh, let's call it cooped up cooking with Katie and Becca. Um, and it just started out as some just a fun thing to do. And we did it on Facebook and on Instagram and we cooked together. And it's really fun because my daughter really has no filter. <laughs> if you watch a show, you'll see. She's I've like, seen it. <laughs> you know, I'm not your slave mom. <laughs> she does a TikTok dance break. But I think the beauty of it is that she um, is so comfortable and she likes to do it. And she, I think, inherited the gene to really try to teach people. And she's also sort of like a little producer because she's always whispering in my ear, don't forget to ask for comments now, mom. <laughs> um, subscribe and follow me. Yeah, subscribe and follow. Um, and, you know, we've, we've grown a pretty nice following and we've been on um, Good Day New York and Today in LA at NBC and an ABC syndicated show. So I think people really do love um, our relationship. And it's also just a fun thing to do during COVID. And we really want to teach people, you know what? You can learn to love your lockdown leftovers. Everybody has to learn how to cook much more than they were before. Even if you're getting takeout all the time, your fridge is filled with leftovers. So why not make use of them? I love that. Positive, healthy way. Yeah, I love that. Now, what's her favorite thing to cook? Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, she really likes to bake. She likes sweets. So she's really into that. But she she seems to really like um, making sauces. Like, she's really into the flavor profiles of sauces and requesting certain things that we make that she she would. But she's actually, um, she has a nickname now. Some of the viewers call her the nibbler. Hashtag the nibbler. (laughs) 
So she, <laughs> we're making some merchant, merchandise called the Nibbler. Because <laughs> she keeps, you know, she likes to snack. While, while she's cooking. Cooking, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. I think if I said the word phrase flavor profile to my 13-year-old daughter, she'd be like, are they on TikTok? What's, what, what's the handle? <laughs> That's amazing that she... I, I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> Are they following me? <laughs> it's now, um, other than Chinese food, what's another type of food you like to make? Well, you know, since we started the show, we've been making all sorts of dishes because we're trying to teach people... Um, how to just get out of their comfort zone. Even if it's just making chili, why not you just like kick it up a notch? Like yesterday we did uh, Asian tapas. So we made guacamole with Japanese inspired uh, flavors Yummy. in the guacamole. So we're doing everything from Italian to Mexican to French. Um, but my new cookbook, which is coming out April uh, 16th, 2021, will Yay. be Global Flavors. It's uh, Katie Chin's Global Family Cookbook. So I'm super excited about that. Not tell me I more, tell me more. Global okay, flavors. So it's um, it's uh, 170 recipes. It's uh, filled with global flavors. It's some, um, you know, uh, familiar comfort foods like um, deviled eggs, but why not fill those with miso or make Yum. a niçoise version of those? It's taking uh, Korean fried chicken, but turning those into oven-baked sliders. Ooh. So they're easy they're healthy it's something that your family can just get in on the act it's um roast chicken four different ways and i why not just put an indian spin or a thai spin on a roast chicken so i had a lot of fun with doing the book also there's four cultural celebrations in the book entertaining <laughs> celebrations so uh we did lunar new year with Jeannie mai from the real she's also on dancing with the stars right now yeah 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 so she's a good friend so Jeannie mai and her mom mama mai are in the lunar new year um entertaining section then i also have um greek easter with debbie matinopoulos from home and family show love that so we did greek easter brunch and then um we did Cinco de Mayo with Jeffrey Saad. He was on Food Network's mm. uh, Next Star. He's based in the Valley as well. And then finally, Hanukkah with a renowned food writer, Faye Levy, along with Nate Berkus and Jeremiah Brent. That sounds delicious. And it comes out in April. I've already pre-ordered it. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, well, I'll have a big party. It might be six people in my driveway, but I'll have <laughs> three, six people coming over in rotation. <laughs> right. Exactly. Everybody can drive by. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's it. Yeah, I've ordered it. I have your your first cookbook um, and I gift it to because I'm not a cook myself. So I have all these cookbooks that are just intimidating to me. I'm like, how many ingredients? I'm out. I'm just not naturally. But I love eating. I'm really gifted at that. <laughs> as long as you're gifted at that and somebody else in your household is gifted at cooking and somebody else can clean, then you got it all covered. I know, right? It's it's, uh, it's tricky, especially now in COVID, because I have, like, my standard 12 meals, right? It's my, my standard uh, 12 my meals. My friend Mima wants me to tell What does she want to know? me? I'm sorry. Yeah. She wants me to tell the uh, Nate Burkus story. Is that okay? Please. Let's hear it. I love Nate. So he's from Minnesota, which I didn't realize. And my oh. friend was having a dinner party, and um, Nate Burkus happens to walk in, blah, blah, blah. And my friend uh, introduced me and said, oh, this is Katie Chen. She's from Minneapolis. Her mom was this famous chef named Leanne Chen. And um, Nate Burkus stands up and he goes, I'm from Minneapolis. And your mom catered my bar mitzvah. 
You're and we kidding. were like, what? I'm like, what? And then he was the nicest, sweetest guy, comes over, we you know, exchange digits, blah, blah, blah. Then he texts me later that night and he said, oh my gosh, believe it or not, your mom worked with my mom at the same dress shop in Edina, Minnesota. And my mom, when she, she had been a single mom, brought me to the dress shop in my playpen. So my mom knew him as a baby. Oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh, wow, you know, I just really want to cook for you guys. I want to cook you a classically ancient dinner. And he was like, we would love that. But then I freaked out because I'm like, okay, it's one thing to cook for Nate Burkus and Jeremiah Brent. It's another thing for them to come to your house. I was like, there is no way he's coming to my house. Like, I do not want him stepping on all the Legos. So I was like, um, I, I was like, what fabulous gay couple can I ask? Like, ask some friends, you know, with like the $5 million house. So they came over and they were so nice. And we just talked about being from Minnesota, what our high schools were like. And, you know, he was... He was amazing. So that was just such a blessing. That's incredible. And that's a good friend to have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that's amazing. So I know you've talked about what's like your, what are the ingredients for success? Like you've had so much success in career, family. Um, what, what do you think is the through line for all of that? What little, what's a dash of this, a pinch of that to, that you would equate to your success, you think? You know, I think our recipe for success is always changing. And I think we have to always be willing to improvise and uh, just be open to new flavors in life, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm going to say, and, you know, I'm just going to go back to the theme for this show. You know, it's very important to take risks, right? You have to take risks. And you also have to listen to your internal voice and your gut. Like my mother never went to business school. She didn't have a business plan. You know, you have to be thoughtful and diligent, of course, but you really just need to trust your instincts because I think particularly as women, we ask the opinion of a lot of others. Yes. Because we don't feel 100% confident in what we're thinking. Um, but then, you know what? Then we start to get self-doubt sometimes. We listen to the negative voice, but we have to remember, even if they're very good for us, uh, close friends or family members, you know, people project stuff because maybe they're stuck in their career or they, they, they're not brave enough to take on entrepreneurship. It's not your problem, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a little corny, but I heard this phrase, you know, leap and then it will appear as Liz knows. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, screw it, man. Life is so short. If not now, then when? When? Exactly. And I think a lot of us are feeling that right now in COVID because a lot of us have to learn how to pivot. So I think those have been really important things, but also, um, you know, a door closes, a window opens. I say a door closes, climb through a window. <laughs> it's always another way. When my mother and I had done the book together, you know, she was a very renowned restaurateur and chef. So it was relatively easy to get a book deal. But after she passed away, I tried to get another book deal. And it was like me, myself and I, you know, I hadn't really done that much on my own. I didn't have a strong enough platform. So the doors kept closing, kept closing. But then a good friend, you know, you have to reach out to your, you know, your short list and also say, look, this is what I'm struggling with. You know, do you have any ideas? She's like, I have another idea for you. So I uh, worked with a different type of publisher that was like 300 best muffins, 300 best panini, 300 best rice cooker recipes. Um, Love it. Like, I'll do it. You know, I'll try it. So I just took another route and um, it worked out. And then that led to my other books. So, and then I love that. the show, the PBS show that my mom and I did together, 
you know, we pitched Food Network and at the time they didn't think an Asian show was mainstream enough. So I was like, Arr! but you know what? I'm like, what else can I do? So I just found a, a PBS producer actually on the internet. I just Googled and found this person that had produced Roy Yamaguchi show. And oh. my current, my nice husband. Yeah, he's amazing. Oh, my so good. good husband. Um, <laughs> We were going to Hawaii on vacation, and I just reached out to her, and we had a meeting, and that was it. And literally, um, two months later, we were in production on a wow, show. Wow, that's so great. So that's another thing. Like, don't be afraid. You yeah. know, like, I was a little nervous. Like, what is she, like, what's the worst that could happen? She could ignore me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. She could politely, but she's not going to say like you're an idiot you know what I mean? right. you're like what is the worst that could happen so you have to take those risks and put yourself out there yeah I agree and I think you're when you, what you were talking about changing and adapting to change I I know that comes from cooking right when you when you've got all these ingredients and you need a little bit of this so it needs a little salt you can adapt and change as you go not with baking so much like baking is to the letter but um right i right. think like your ability to be so flexible must come from all those hours in the kitchen and just being like oh i'll just try this and i'll try this um and i think that's an amazing lesson to give everyone especially women because we can be very rigid and and regimented and be like i have to do it this way or it's not going to be the most fantastic thing in the world um and it's okay i also right, learned right. Yeah, yeah that one thing actually from liz as well is never take advice from beginners because they're just starting out so right. why are you asking them for advice and i was like oh, that's a good point don't yeah. take advice from them they don't know what they're doing <laughs> that is a very good point yes. that's a very good point yeah somebody just asked me some uh relationship advice about getting married i'm like well i am an expert because i am on my third husband i'll see <laughs> true <laughs> i love it that's okay it also shows you you don't settle <laughs> i like that katie don't settle well, three times a lady that's right gay princess i love that I lo now tell me about this uh stars and chefs that you recorded tell me a little bit about how you got involved in that and i know you're very active involved in um la city with the mayor's office right and female entrepreneurs tell us about both of those uh great so um i I'm really lucky because I'm the Los Angeles ambassador for Women's Entrepreneurship Day. And um, I have been involved with this movement that's been uh, going on for about six years. Uh, my friend Wendy Diamond founded it out of New York City, but there's a hundred of us global ambassadors all over the world. And uh, you know, it's all volunteer, but our whole mission is to help alleviate poverty among the one in three women living in destitution today. And we know that when women become entrepreneurs, start their own businesses. They put 90% of their income back into their families and their communities, which lifts up the economy as a whole. And also when women start their own businesses, you know, it gives them uh, self-respect and dignity and they're yes. much less likely to be taken advantage of. So um, all that being said, it's been a wonderful experience. I think, uh, you know, I probably met you somehow, some way through all, through, of, through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> So we have an event every year uh, honoring different local businesswomen. But then we partnered with uh, the mayor's office about three years ago, and they actually hold their own Women's Entrepreneurship Day event. And so um, I've spoken at that event every year, which has been obviously very fulfilling and wonderful. And this year, it'll be a virtual event on November 19th. So if anybody's interested, I can send you the information. Yeah, send me the link, and I'll put it in the show notes for sure. And 
great. And for your Amazon, the link to your Amazon book, I know we can just go to Amazon and type in Katie Chen and the book will pop up. Uh, we'll definitely put that in the show notes too. Um, Thank you. That, that is, then, go ahead. So tonight's event is for, um, it's a really exciting stars and chefs event. It's being hosted by Chinese Americans for Biden. And, um, you know, I just felt like I, I just couldn't sit on the sidelines. I really had to do something. I had to use my voice. And they reached out to me. I mean, it's a small community of Chinese-American chefs that are out there, you know, uh, that I guess have some kind of presence. So I'm just so honored to be joined by um, Ming Tsai, Chef Anita Lowe, Chef Grace Yang, Ming Tsai, um, Martin Yan, um, along with Hudson Yang from um, Fresh Off the Boat. You know, he yeah. plays the oldest son. So adorable. So adorable. And, and Michelle we, Kwan, hello. I'm so sorry. Yes, Michelle Kwan. I so saw Michelle Kwan. You know, Michelle Kwan was at the Olympics when that whole Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing happened. Yes. She's yes. probably got some stories. I read about that. I mean, she is phenomenal. But, you know, I read also similarly, she was just like, I just can't sit back. I've got to do something. So she, she, she did work on um, Hillary Clinton's campaign, but she's a surrogate director for the Biden-Harris campaign. So here's the thing. Asian Americans uh, represent one of the largest growing ethnic segments among voters. Um, but historically, there hasn't been a lot of outreach or engagement with this community of the entire Asian American community. Chinese Americans represent the largest segment, but lowest turnout, lowest. Why do you think that is? I noticed that too. Statistically, Asian Americans don't show up to vote. You know, I'm not sure to tell you the truth. I think yeah. maybe some of it comes from the way we're raised, uh, conditioned to not make waves. And to trust you your leaders, right? To, yeah, yeah. To uphold the status quo. Um, so, you know, we as chefs are trying to come together to use our talents and our skills to really uh, raise awareness among right. Chinese Americans, hopefully get them out there uh, to vote, to volunteer, and to really use their voice. So um, tonight, there's an event happening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We can put it in the show notes. It's free, but we're suggesting a 2020, $20.20 donation <laughs> to the Biden-Harris campaign. Love it. Uh, but I think it's just going to be so much fun. I mean, all yeah. this talent coming together. And um, I'm just, I feel so honored to be a part of it. That's so great, Katie. I'm, I've got it in my calendar. I'm watching. Um, it's it's great to see you guys come together and just bring it all and just bring back and have a using your platform for good, I think is really, really powerful. Um, and you're right. It's, it's gone are the days I think when we can stay quiet and say, well, that's happening over there. Like we really need to be involved in wherever, whatever side we're on, but using our platform, our voice to, um, to help because there are a lot of people watching. And they need guidance, especially if you're someone they admire and they're like, oh, well, let me look into this. So you're providing that kind of window um, to where something they probably wouldn't have looked at before. So I think that's incredible, Katie. That's Thank wonderful. Um, Very lucky. Yeah, for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you, totally off topic, what's up with desserts with uh, Chinese cooking? There's not a lot of desserts. <laughs> and I like a rice cake. Don't get me wrong. The sticky rice is okay. But it's still <laughs> rice. You know, um, in China, you know, most of the desserts are like like the red bean paste variety or yeah. like sweetened silky tofu. And we growing up as Chinese Americans were like, yeah, 
gross. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to eat that stuff. Now, of course, I like it, you know. Um, so those are really traditionally the types of desserts. But also bear in mind, there weren't a lot of ovens in China. Like everything was right. cooked over an open flame. Right. So there's like sponge cakes. And there's a particular cake that you eat during Chinese New Year called Nin Gao because it's like uh, symbolizing rising to new heights. Oh, Okay. So um, that's a steamed cake. So not a lot of baking going on, obviously now, but um, right. so back in the day. So, you know, I do uh, more fusion types of uh, desserts, like in my catering business and in my, in my cookbook, we do all sorts of delicious, um, you know, raspberry Nutella wontons or bananas and sweetened walnuts mm-hmm. uh, wontons as well. Um, and I have a fortune cookie business too called Fortune Cookie Divas. So, I love that. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll send you some. We can put logos on the cookie and special special messages inside as well. That's so great. I didn't know that at all. I'm going to have one that says vote. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. What's wrong with me? Oh, I still have time. I'm going to do it. Um, (laughs) Because you have so much time on your hand right now. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we have to keep busy. Um, But, you know, obviously, fortune cookies are an American invention, but still part of Chinese American history. And so, um, you know. I I do a lot of promoting of fortune cookies, obviously. I love it. I love it. Now, here's a really, really serious question. Where do we order the best Chinese takeout in the Valley? Ooh, uh, Sam. Tricky. Ooh, I've been there. (laughs) Victory in Sepulveda. It's not Mm -hmm. fancy. Cash only. I know he was just like uh, indicted for a lot of tax evasion and fraud, but delicious Cantonese style food. My family's Cantonese. There's, uh, predominantly Mandarin cuisine in LA. So I really sometimes really need my Cantonese fix. So I go to Sam Wu. Oh, good to know. Everybody hear that? Sam Wu. Yeah, Tamlin. Tamlin says, yes, girl, she knows. <laughs> See, and you know Tamlin too. So do I. <laughs> oh my God. I've known Tamlin for like 20 years, but she looks like she's 30. So I know that I know. she hasn't aged. It's really not fair. It's really not fair. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Jeannie Mai taught me this. Asian don't raisin. yeah you know the countries that you're coming from are very humid so your skin is always hydrated (laughs) well for me it's like deep fat frying gives me a lot of a sheen a sheen and you know what tamalin actually actually the one that introduced us thank you tamalin I love Tamlin. She's so fun too. Um, okay. So let's, before we wrap up here, I want to get carried away with you. Um, first I want to ask you, what are three foods you don't like? I'm not a huge fan of beets. I'm not a huge fan of Brussels sprouts. Oh, and I'm not a huge fan of liver, but I do like, uh, pate, but I don't like liver liver, Mm -hmm. but you know, they do say that, uh, you know, you have a gene. There's certain people that uh, when they eat uh, Brussels sprouts, they taste bitter. And for other people, they don't taste bitter. And similarly with cilantro. Tastes like soap. People taste like soap. So they're yeah. both very polarizing herbs and veggies. Interesting. <laughs> but I think it's just like the harshness of those flavors. But I pretty much eat everything besides that. <laughs> For the, most part. Oh, for the most part. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of tomatoes at all. I can't stand tomatoes, um, but I'll cook with them. Like I get how they can add flavor and, and everything, but you know, like some nice, you know, pasta or something like that. But I don't like tomatoes at all. Like a cold beef steak tomato. Oh, <laughs> not my friend. People don't understand that. There are people obsessed with tomatoes. 
It's true. It's true. I think some of it just comes from childhood too. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, in all, everywhere you've gone in the world, tell me about what surprised you in a place you traveled to and the food that they have. Well, I was just in Shanghai, uh, you know, before COVID, obviously. So that was really, wow. The food was just dynamite, dynamite in the, the Shanghai soup dumplings. Oh, my God. I mean, we've all had them here, you know, didn't I? Oh, yeah. But they have these soup dumplings that are like, I'm not, it's like the size of a Whopper. Like, really? And they serve them, you know, in the little night stalls with a, a straw. So you actually uh, slurp up the broth with straws, you know, yeah, not, some, not for COVID, but it's like a cute thing on a date, you know, you can, oh, straw. Um, and I just thought that the cuisine was so incredibly innovative. And then I took one of those like noodle pulling classes. Mm -hmm. That was super fun. Oh, I was love that. And you never cut the noodles, right? Isn't that like you're cutting your lifeline? That's right. So obviously we eat noodles for celebratory occasions like birthdays and Chinese New Year because they symbolize longevity. The longer the noodle, the longer the life always served uncut. It yes. was cut, uncut. Long uncut. Long. Yeah. yeah, uncut. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, now, really quick, tell us where we can follow you and where we can um, make sure we grab that book. So the book's on Amazon, everyone. But where can we follow you? I'm um, at Chef Katie Chin. And my website is chefkatiechin.com. Our live stream, uh, Cooped Up Cooking with Katie and Becca, is every Sunday, Tuesday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook and on Instagram. I love it. I love it. It's fun to watch, too, um, especially because you're right. Nibbler, I think, is a great name for her. She does <laughs> nibble. <laughs> I love that. Well, Instagram is about to kick us off. So we're going to continue in the Facebook group. So let's say goodbye to Instagram. Bye, Instagram. And then we'll head over to the Facebook group. <laughs> Thank Bye. you, Instagram. Thank you, Instagram. Hey, if you're listening to this thinking, I want to be a part of this amazing community. Well, you're right. You're currently making the right decision. Head over to broad-network.com and learn how we as a community of entrepreneurs lift and support each other.